I'm standing here a little bit in fear and trembling. I have so, I'm so over full <laughs> that I don't want to take control of the service at all. And I, I just want to flow with him. I know he's leading me eventually. I, I want to teach. Uh, I want to teach because I, I believe he wants me to. The book of Malachi. Most people only know one verse out of the book of Malachi. And that's chapter 3 and verse 10. Maybe a few other verses out of chapter 3, but it all has to do with that. And I open to the book of Malachi. <laughs> Where I really want to go is John 15. And in a way we are. Jesus said he is the vine. We are the branches. One day, right during a service, the Lord said a, st a statement that I'm not smart enough to say. He said, grapes don't grow on the vine. And they really don't. Grapes, the fruit, grows on the branch. We are the branches. So right there in that passage, Jesus says, Now my father is the husbandman. Any branch in me that's bearing fruit, hello, fruit-bearing branches. But any, any branch in me that's bearing fruit, my Father purges that he might bear, that you might bear more fruit. Well, that's exactly where, that's the mission of the prayer center, if you want to know the truth of it. The church bears some fruit. Thank God for everybody that gets born again. Thank God for everybody that gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for anybody that gets healed through prayer. Thank God for anything. But we're not at all seeing the kind of meetings that Jesus would hold if he was here himself running his meetings. Where the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the maimed are made whole. We're not seeing that yet. I call that the more fruit. And from the beginning, God called Pastor Dave. He says, get a group of people and go far enough into me. That will bring a supernatural outpouring of revival. You got hooked by that message somehow or another. And no matter the devil's beatings, you're still here. <laughs> That's why the Lord gave us a word of encouragement, I think. So of all places, when I want to preach that, because really we're in the process. See, what keeps the branch from producing more fruit. Well, there's something wrong with the, the vine. Nothing wrong with the vine, is there? The life is flowing through the vine because Jesus is the vine and he's in us. So the, the, there's no problem with the source of life. There's no problem with the source of power because Jesus said, I in them and the Father in me. By the way, if you want a homework assignment, Read John 13 through 17 50 times. And then when you finish that, read it 50 times. And then when you finish that, read it 50 times. I'm telling you our answer is in those chapters. Our answer is in those chapters, without a doubt. So I'm wanting to teach John 15, and he's saying, open to the book of Malachi. I'm not going to get to teach much. and I already know how much I get to teach today. I get to teach one sentence out of the book of Malachi. Because what he's doing this time around, he's been having me go back and, and read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, all of the prophets associated with that time period, which would be Jeremiah and Haggai and Zechariah and some others. Because Malachi comes after all of them. See, actually, Malachi... Is after Cyrus, okay, after, after, after the, after Israel has been captured by Babylon, after the 70 years, and then Cyrus, the, that, not a Jew, a king of another nation, Cyrus, Persia, I think it is. Don't hold me to that, I'm still studying. <laughs> Cyrus, though. He issues that decree. God puts it in his heart to send the people back to build the temple, rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. And he provides a lot of money. He sends back a lot of the gold and vessels and things that Nebuchadnezzar had hauled away. But this is, so that happens. 
Then you remember in the Old Testament about Zerubbabel and, and all of that. Well, what's going on there? They're rebuilding the temple. It's not Solomon's, of course. It's the second one. It's smaller than Solomon's. In fact, the people that were old enough to remember Solomon's temple, when they saw the foundations of this one that they're building, they cried because it was smaller. It wasn't as great. I mean, you know, Jesus said, though, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Anyway. Malachi. So they rebuild the temple. And the people, Ezra comes uh, during that time period. He begins teaching them the law. Nehemiah comes. And Nehemiah, the temple's pretty well finished when Nehemiah comes. But he's, he's rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, making it secure again. And in the course of it, they rediscover the law, the book of the law. And they begin reading the book of the law. And a lot of, a lot of purification happens. A lot of change happens. A lot of that's due to Ezra. A lot of that's due to Nehemiah. You didn't come for a history lesson, I know. I have no choice. <laughs> I have nothing else I can do this morning. Because you've got to understand, if we're going to ever understand Malachi, you've got to understand these things. So there was some purification. But now Malachi comes after all of that. Malachi is the last prophet in the Old Testament. He's the last one. There's not another voice through which God speaks like that until John the Baptist, 400 years later. Now what's going on during that 400 years? Israel never regains its sovereignty during that time period. It's always ruled by other kings. It never has a king of its own again. It has uh, client kings appointed by other kings. In other words, rulers that would watch over them, but they're not sovereign anymore. Now, here's the reason that Malachi is so important. Malachi was their last chance. Because now, here's the amazing thing that I'm finding out. I didn't know all of this until the season. So get this. I did not know the depth to which Israel had fallen prior to Nebuchadnezzar capturing them. We're going to look at a little, just a little bit of it today. I did not realize the depth to which Israel had fallen. Now as I'm seeing it, the only amazing thing is the long-suffering and mercy of God. That he held out his grace to them as long as he did. It's way worse than I ever thought it was. You would think after your nation has been judged and you've been captured by a foreign king and you've been in bondage for 70 years and then God graciously speaks to one of those kings and sends you back and you get to rebuild your temple and he sends another man to rebuild the walls, you would think people would worship God. But the book of Malachi is written, he begins speaking roughly, now again, I'll have better details later on, roughly 60 to 70 years after the temple is rebuilt. And what's happening? The people already have fallen away from God again. He's not going to let me teach. I say, I haven't even read a verse yet, have I? I don't <laughs> Summarize for you. Already, within 50 to 60 years of those events, already, if they do bring an offering to the Lord, a lamb, if they bring one at all, instead of bringing their spotless favorite perfect lamb, the one that they would hand feed the pet, instead of bringing that one, that's the one they're supposed to bring. The one you love, the best one. Why? Because God was given his best. Anyway. Instead of bringing that one, you know what they were bringing? If they had a blind sheep, they'd bring that one. If they had one with a broken leg, they'd bring that one. One verse says, they might even steal the neighbor's sheep and offer that. They had already returned, even though Ezra stopped it and Nehemiah stopped it both. They were already returned to the practice of divorcing their elderly Jewish wives and marrying younger pagan wives who would turn them to idols. They were, 
This is the, that's Malachi's where he says, I hate, I hate putting away. I hate divorce. You stay with the wife of your youth. The book of Malachi is really about love. This is the only verse out of Malachi I get to really read today. Verse 2. I have loved you. I have loved you, saith the Lord. God doesn't change. After all that has happened, after all of his long-suffering, which you'll understand better in a minute, and now they're turning to those same wicked paths again, within a generation, within 60 years or so. What does he say? I have loved you. You want to see the the seed? The Lord showed me now. I know the seed that caused the destruction of Israel. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses. Now see here in Malachi, which is a long time after Solomon. Where we're looking now is during Solomon's lifetime. Most of you know Solomon was King David's son. Now King David wasn't perfect, was he? For benefit of the video. <laughs> King David was not perfect. But he never turned to other gods. That's the one thing you've got to say about King David. He never worshipped any other gods. He made mistakes with Bathsheba and Uriah and other things, but he repented, and boy, does the Lord love David. He does. In fact, at one point, this is free. At one point in this, when God's dealing with Solomon, now Gary's paraphrase, he tells Solomon, if it wasn't for your father David, you have so made me angry. If it was not for your father David, I would rip the kingdom away from you. And he does most of it, but not in Solomon's lifetime. And he did that for David's sake, not Solomon's. told you I've been reading. You want to see the seed that caused the downfall of Israel? First Kings. It starts off right. Notice, notice God says through Malachi, generations later, I have loved you. Well, notice how Solomon started. First Kings 3, 3. Started off good. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes statutes of David his father. But only he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Well, one of the reasons for that, the temple was not built yet. Okay. But look at that first part. And Solomon loved the Lord. See, from the beginning, that's what God has wanted. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. You know why? Because he loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. And he does not change. If Solomon, yes sir, I'm seeing the branch. See, at that moment the nation of Israel was God's branch in the earth. And they were a light. They were like a city set on a hill, if you'll allow me. They were a light to the nations. Other nations would come and listen to the wisdom of Solomon. The queen of Sheba, would she came and brought all of these gifts. And we know that there were conversions. What's God doing? He's using the nation of Israel as his branch at that moment, if you'll allow me, to evangelize other nations. To bring them to the, to the light. You know, proselytes were allowed. I mean, you had to convert, but... You had to throw down your other gods and convert to the God of Israel. But at that moment, early in Solomon's life, when he loved the Lord his God, they were, Israel was the branch. God was using them to evangelize other nations. But now you want to see the seed of destruction? Go to, stay, it's 1 Kings, but go over to chapter 11 and verse 1. In fact, I'm going to go there because I want to read a little bit more beyond there. First Kings. Sorry. The way things go anymore. You know how it used to be. I had everything 
end up, but those days are over. First <laughs> Kings eleven one. He started out, I want to read it again, Solomon loved the Lord. Notice the first word, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, now notice, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you. Why? It's not racism at all. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with foreign gods. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. See, God plainly commanded them, and that includes the king. Don't marry women from these foreign nations. And don't let them marry your sons. Did Solomon know that? Solomon disobeyed. And I'm telling you right now, you'll see it eventually if I get to teach on this much. This, there is your seed of the destruction of the nation of Israel. Because exactly what God said would happen, happened. And Solomon started it. These wives, I don't, uh, again, I'll have, I'll have this better for you later. I'll be just summarized now. These wives, 300 of them, the Bible says. There's 300 wives, I believe 700 concubines. Solomon was a busy man, okay. They, they turned his heart to other gods, and he actually began building temples to their foreign gods in Israel. Solomon, before this is over, he actually built a temple in Israel to Molech. Do you remember Molech? Molech was the one where they would sacrifice their children. It was a metal bronze statue thing that hollow inside. You could build a, a, a fire, get that thing glowing red hot, and it had its arms out like, like in front of it like this, and that's where you'd lay the baby. And when you laid the baby, when you'd hand it to the priest, when the priest took your baby and put it in the arms of Molech, Right at that moment, the trumpets would blast. You know why? To drown out the screams of the baby. Solomon built one of those. Solomon. Because he disobeyed the direct command of God, he let his love go from pure love to God. He began loving something God said, don't love that. Addiction is always an appetite God never intended for you to have. Bad addictions. I like a prayer addiction. I like to be addicted to prayer. I like to be addicted to worship. I am addicted to the Word. I can't live without it. I just can't live. I'm telling you right now. But see, the enemy's always trying to get you addicted to, to trying to get, an addiction, a bad one, is an appetite that's in you now that God never intended for you to have. But now you've got to feed it. And that's what happened. And without getting vulgar, intimate times between Solomon and those wives, during those times of intimacy where emotions run, they would work on him and talk to him and sweetie pie him. And I need, won't you do this for me? This is something I love. It's from the country where I'm from, you know. He actually built a temple to Molech on a hill that faces the temple. It's like in your face, God. Can you imagine where you could stand on the porch of God's temple and look across the valley and see babies in, being offered to Molech? It gets worse than that. Now, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. The nation became divided right after Solomon. And there were ten... Ten uh, tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. 
The northern kingdom never had a good king ever. Not one. They didn't have a good king. All of their kings were evil. Judah, the southern kingdom, would have a good king and a bad king, and then maybe a good king and then two or three bad kings. And then maybe a good king, maybe a good king, and then two or three more bad kings. Josiah was one of the very last good kings. Now, we're just going to look at one little... I want you to... The only reason I'm doing this, this is all prequel to Malachi. You've got to understand how bad it got. So give me a second here now. Hallelujah. Go to Second Kings. Chapter 23. And I don't normally do this. I'm, I'm not a big fan of any translation of the Bible, to be honest with you, except the King James and the Amplified. But I am going to read this one out of the New Living Testament. And the reason is, I've already gone through it and made sure there's no major er- errors in it. But this translation speaks to us in the language that we speak now. I've already been through it. There's nothing in here that's going to take you astray. Okay, make sure. But you'll get it when I read it out of this. So King Josiah, when he comes on the scene... We're going to read several verses here. So then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant. That had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar. Thank God. And renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all of his commands. See, this is repentance. This is a type and a shadow. If you've, if you've strayed from the Lord, it's, he will receive repentance. You got to go back to the covenant. Go back. Thank God we have a better covenant established on better promises. But you've got to go back to the covenant. Why, what is that? John. It's, it's everything that Jesus said. But I'm saying today, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh my. Anyway. Read, Gary. Read. Verse 3 again. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar. And renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all of his commands, laws, and decrees with all of his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And all of the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priest of the second rank, and the temple gatekeepers, now notice this, to remove... From the Lord's temple, all of the things I'm about to read had been placed inside the temple of the Lord. He instructed them to remove from the Lord's temple, remove these things out of the temple, meaning these were in there because of the wickedness preceding. All of the articles that were used... To worship Baal. Or maybe Baal. I don't know how you... B-A-A-L. That goes... That's the showdown with Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember there was 450 prophets of Baal? And they have brought... Images of Baal into the temple of God. Bowing down worshiping it in the temple? Boy, they better be glad I'm not God. That's what I'm saying. I'm going, what? What? Asherah, that, that god there, goddess, goes by many names. Uh, it has to do with worshiping some places. She's called the queen of heaven. It's uh, a lot of things. We, that's what's important. There was worship of that goddess, which is from a pagan land, going on. In the temple. 
How far had Israel fallen? God says, I have loved you. After all of this, God says, I have loved you. God doesn't change. So they were worshiping Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. That gets more accurate description a little further down. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley. Kidron Valley was the, that's where you took the trash. Burned it. And he carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah. Now, type and shadow. False teachers. False prophets. All of these idolatrous priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah. Why did he take them away? For they had offered sacrifices at the pagan shrines throughout Judah and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also offered sacrifices to Baal. Now notice, and to the sun. Who? What major country worshipped the sun? Ra. Egypt. Did you notice Solomon's first wife that he took was from Egypt? The moon. Did you know that God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees? And the Chaldees, the Chaldeans, worshipped the moon. The constellations. Now that's the powers of heaven. Constellations and all the powers of heaven. You look up constellations, it's plainly the zodiac. It's a horoscope. They had brought that kind of worship. We're going to, we're not going to live by God's direction now. We're going to live by the stars. A lot of, a lot of Christians still. See, all of these things, if you re- I hope you're thinking beyond this reading. This is all a type and a shadow. When it says, when it says, God says, even if you're bearing fruit, the Father is going to prune you so you can bear more fruit. How many things have we allowed inside the temple? How many things do I love? How many, how many things are in the, the worst one's coming. <laughs> we didn't got to the worst one. And to the powers of the heavens. Yes, sir. I won't pass that by. I got to go to Poland one time. I thank God that I did. And I got to go into a church that was, uh, when, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, that church had already been standing for 400 years. It's a cathedral. And I got to go inside of it. And, uh, you know, massive the amounts of gold and silver and ivory and everything that was in there. And they had this very impressive statue thingy in the front. And uh, it was very clear as a woman sitting in a chair, on, you know, in a throne, sitting on a throne kind of, a really nice Chair is not a good word, but sitting. And behind her is a, a male and a slightly shorter male. Both of them had crowns. But they were placing a larger crown on her head. And I, what in the world is this? So I, I, I asked somebody, you know, that knew. I said, oh, that is God the Father and God the Son crowning Mary as the Queen of Heaven. Now, if you want to know the truth of it, that form of worship goes all the way back to Egypt and before. I'm not going to teach on that today. But that's not worship of the true God. Trust me, Mary has not been crowned Queen of Heaven. Jesus is Lord of all. Okay. What was I saying? Okay. <laughs> I warned you. I'm a mess, but I'm not a mess. Verse 6. The king removed the Asherah pole. 
Where did he remove it from? From the Lord's temple. Now that Asherah pole, again, that, that goddess Asherah goes by many names. Astarte is one of them, and I'll have the rest of them when I get to teach on it, really. What do you reckon that pole was? It's a phallic symbol. Got to do with fertility. And they're worshiping that. Bound down to a phallic symbol in the temple of God. And God says, I have loved you. So they took that pole outside Jerusalem, out of the temple, took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where he burned it. Then he ground the ashes of the pole to dust and threw the dust over the graves of the people. God, this verse, verse 7. You see, I, this, this is the verse why I wanted to read it out of, you can read it out of the Amplified and other translations. You'll see it's very much the same. Second Kings 23.7 He also tore down the living quarters of the male and the female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord. <laughs> Where the women wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Something they would decorate that phallic symbol with. I'm going to read that again. <laughs> he tore down the living quarters. They lived there. Of the male and the female shrine prostitutes. That were inside the temple of the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, if you ever saw a type and shadow in your life. Not only the act that's going on right now. People, Christians, quote, Christians, shacking up together, living together. Quote, Christian husbands sleeping around on their wives. But I think it's mostly for there's <laughs> pornography. So much going on. I read I read articles with different percentages, but I've read them that's pretty bad. Sixty to seventy percent. Of Christian males admit they're addicted to pornography. Now, when that's going on, that's 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 this is the type and shadow of prostitution going on inside the house of the Lord. Because Jesus said, "You're guilty if you just, even if you don't commit the act, you're guilty." I had no idea. I really, I don't know how I didn't know this until this recent spell leading up to trying to teach Malachi. To how, how far Israel had fallen. But you know why he's showing me that? It's not just for historical. It's because this is the kind of pruning God's got to do in the church. This is the, our temples have got to be cleansed. It's no point pointing at them. The point is point, Dave has got it so right. He said, when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is going to shine the light in the attic. And when you first start, you feel worse than when you began because you start feeling, but what's happening? You, he starts exposing the dirt that's already there and you, your tendency is to go look at all the dirt this light brought. No, the light didn't bring the dirt. The light's exposing the dirt. We got to do like King Josiah and shovel it all out. What do I love in me that I love more than him? Solomon started off right. He loved God. And as long as he loved God, put God first and served God, Israel was a light to the nations. But Solomon, but, but Solomon wound up loving something else that caused him to directly violate a command of the Lord. And I'm telling you, Solomon himself brought all this. He, he's the one. They don't need to go look back any farther. He's the one that sowed the seed for the destruction of the nation.
good kings would come and they'd, there'd be ref, reforms. Je, uh, Hezekiah was one. Asa was one. There's others. But boy, there were wicked kings. There was a wicked king named Manasseh. He offered his own son. Two of them, actually, if I remember right. One of them he offered on the wall. In, that's so all the people could watch as this king sacrificed his son to a foreign god. It says that he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. He killed the prophets, the true prophets. Any of them that he thought was a... Uh, that would stop what he wanted to worship or stop what he wanted to do. He, if it, the way the Bible says it, he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And then later on, now he repented. Manasseh did. He repented. And even after all that he did, God showed him mercy. And the judgment he was going to bring on him, he spared him. He says, no, I'll do it in the next generation after you. God has, God is love. Even as evil as Manasseh, what he did. But later on, you'll read, and I'll have all this together later. Later on, you'll say, you'll find out, yeah, God had mercy on him, but God would not forgive the sin of filling Jerusalem with innocent blood. Said God wouldn't forgive that. Well, dear God, if there's ever been a, a nation that's filled its borders with innocent blood, it's this one. The blood of 60 to 70 million babies. Dear God, if God, if God ever judged Israel for offering their children to the God Moloch, how much more do we deserve, this nation deserve judgment? But see, God is raising up a remnant because in the same way, His first word to them, this is after all of that, this is after the 70 years in Babylon, this is after they've come back. This is after they've rebuilt the second temple. And within 50, 60, 70 years, I'll have it exactly for you later, within a generation or so, they're already reverting back to doing these same things again. I'll just, I'll just bring the Lord a blind sheep. It doesn't matter if I go at all. I know what you said, Lord, but look how hot that pagan girl is. I'm going to get rid of my wife and I'm going to marry her. Same stuff. The same things that brought judgment before. Oh, I didn't quite finish. I hope you're still in Second Kings. Let's read verse 8. Second Kings 23, 8. Josiah brought to Jerusalem all the priests who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled the pagan shrines where they had offered sacrifices all the way from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem. This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar, thank God. But they were allowed to eat unleavened bread with the other priests. Now get this. Then the king defiled the altar of Topeth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire. As an offering to Molech. What? And God still held out his hand. He sent them prophet after prophet. He sent them Jeremiah. He sent them prophet after prophet. And they would turn away. History says Isaiah was sawed sawed in half. He's one of those mentioned in Hebrews. Some of them were sawed in half. History says Isaiah was sawed in half. There's debate about on who did it. They killed the prophets. One time they were asking Jeremiah for a word. (laughs) Jeremiah said, he asked him, Well, if if I hear from the Lord and tell you, are you going to obey it? 
They said, yes, we'll obey it. We tend to think God, prophets would go, okay, I'm here. Speak, Lord. What really happened, though, he says, Jeremiah, it, he, went, he got alone for ten days. Ten days before God said anything. We think we wait on God. I'm going to take an hour and pray in tongues. Surely that's, you know, that's waiting on God. Ten days, Jeremiah, before he hears from God. He gives them, he tells them what God said. Guess what? It wasn't what they wanted to hear. So they disobeyed it, arrested Jeremiah, and took him with them. (laughs) People don't learn. All of them died there, by the way, except Jeremiah. Now, why is the Lord doing this? Okay, John, John 15. These are all just types and shadows. I don't know when he's going to let me teach Malachi. That's one verse. That's not bad. That's, that's a little help for one verse, right? I have loved you. Boy, he's still holding out his love to them, even after all of that. And now they're, this last generation is headed down the same slippery slope that Got him judged the first time. And he's trying to rescue him. But I'm not, I mean, I'm so tired of even myself telling God I love him and then not obeying what he tells me. I'm not talking about the word. I'm talking about what he tells me. See, when Jesus said, I have loved, uh, I've kept the Father's commandments. You know he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. His whole life. Every day was surrendered to the will of the Father. He says, I don't do anything except what the Father shows me. I don't say anything except what the Father tells me. That's a surrendered life. See, and I said John 15, but look, let's back up to 14, verse 23. I'm saying, God, I'm going to make me. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, see, What's, what's the question? Jesus is answering the question. Verse 22. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Is not a revival a manifestation of Jesus? Is that not exactly what we're after? Manifestation of Jesus? So he can do the same works through us that he's always done? Here's the answer. If a man love me, he will keep my words. In other words, he'll do what I say. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. I'm so tired of, uh, I may not be as nice in the future. I haven't been all that nice in the past. (laughs) Trying to deal with young people that are living together, not married. God knows our heart, because they're they're, they're trying to imply that He knows we love Him. My answer now is going to be, no, you don't. No, you don't. You love some Jesus you've made up in your own mind. That's not the real Jesus. You're worshiping. You've got an idol set up in your temple. That's not Jesus. He said, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You'll do what he says. Well, he knows our heart. Yeah, he knows you're in rebellion. He knows you love your sin more than you love him. Same way Solomon loved women more than he loved the Word of God. Gary, what did you have for breakfast? I haven't yet. All right, verse chapter 15, we're headed for a close. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, he prunes it. That it may, why? That it may bring forth more fruit.
Now you are clean, that same word purged, through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. I'm going to say it a different. Live in me so I can live in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, now notice, and my words abide in you. If a man love me, he will keep my words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If a man love me, he will keep my words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. And that's the life of Jesus. He was completely surrendered to the Father. Completely surrendered. The Father's words lived in him. Whatever the Father said, that's what he did. That's why whatever Jesus asked, it was done. That's why Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We should be able to say to the world, if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. Isn't that right? Now what he's saying? Same life, same life in every branch produces fruit. And verse 6, if a man abide not in me, no, I'm sorry, we already read that. Well, let's read it again. Yes, sir. Have you noticed lately we've been having Christian artists I'm talking about musicians and some leaders openly, publicly saying they're no longer a Christian. And most of them, it has a lot to do with pressure from the LGBTQ, XYZ. I don't know how many letters are going to put on there eventually. A lot of it has pressure to do with that, the pressure that's coming. I just don't see how that could be, you know... How that could be wrong. Well, if you, if you abide not in Him, if you declare you're not a Christian, you choose any other path but Him, He tells you plainly. In, a, in an illustration we could all understand. If you abide not in me, well, what happens if you clip any branch off of any vine? It dies. Once saved, always saved is not true. I'm sorry, it is just is not. I grew up with that, and I had to come to the truth of the of the word. You can abide in Him, and then you can stand up one day and say, "I'm no longer a Christian. I reject Jesus. He's a whatever you say." But if you do that and you stay with it, now God will still take you back. But if you stick with that till you die, what's going to happen to you? Same thing that happens with dead branches. You'll be gathered together with the other dead branches and you're going to wind up burning forever in a lake of fire. There is only one path. There is only one salvation. There's only one name given under heaven whereby men can be saved. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay. Verse 7 again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. And this is what we want. This is, re- this is what we're after, that the Father be glorified. Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. What does that mean? He manifested the Father. The Father got to be seen through Him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, herein is my Father... I'm sorry. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you shall be my disciples. What does he mean? What's the purpose of becoming a disciple of a master? 
that you become as the master. Back up to four, in 14. It takes us right back to verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. The disciple has become as the master. Can you see that? The disciple has become as the master. If I surrender under a black belt master, and I become his disciple, and I attend the classes, and I do everything, eventually I should be able to do what he does. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, abide in me, let my words abide in you, and you're going to glorify the Father the same way I've glorified the Father. Because the Father is going to be able to do the same works in you that he does in me. Jesus is the vine. Without Him, we have no connection. He is the life. He, His Spirit in you is the connection, if you'll allow me, that the Father flows through by His Spirit to do the works. Good preaching right there. Hope you get that image. Verse 8 again. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. That sounds like Malachi. I have loved you. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Now Israel did not. They did not love him. They did not continue in his love and they wound up being destroyed. But verse 10. If, big if. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. We could go on and on. Homework assignment. Read John 13 through 17 50 times. When you get through with that, read it 50 times. When you get through with that, read it 50 times. And all the while praying softly in the Holy Ghost. We'll see you in 30 minutes.